0: Good morning, everyone. Give it up for the band again, please. Our band work hard. They rehearse multiple times uh, throughout the week, and they come in early on Sunday mornings. Um, and they just flat out work hard to to worship God and to help you uh, worship God as well. Um, welcome to Riverside Community Church. My name is Brian Doback, and uh, Keith was made a comment about our sweaters, and they're so similar. Um, We didn't plan that. I just want to let you guys know, this isn't my sweater. Um, (laughs) A few years ago, I was rummaging through my dad's closet. My dad's here right now. Raise your hand, Dad. (laughs) And I saw a sweater I liked, and I was like, Dad, can I have this? (laughs) He's like, yeah, sure. (laughs) So this really is my dad's. Um, thank you for being so sacrificial, Dad. I appreciate that. <laughs> he's, he's spoiled me throughout my life. He's given me much. And now it's the time to give back wherever I can. Um, but no, thanks for coming today, guys. Um, Ezra and his family are not here today. Uh, they are visiting one of our church plants uh, in Souderton called Ridgeline Community Church. Um, We are a church-planting church. Uh, Basically, what that looks like is uh, we raise up leaders. We try to. We equip leaders. um, And if God places a call on one of those leaders to go plant a church, we send them out uh, with a core group from Riverside to go plant somewhere else. Um, So basically, we raise up leaders uh, as the church grows, and then we send out. Riverside shrinks, and then after a couple years, it grows, and then we send out, and then it shrinks. Grows, send out, shrinks, grows, send out, so that 's the process of church planning, and that 's where Ezra and his family are so uh, let 's just uh, pray for Ezra and his family and their safety. Uh, we love them and we want them back um, so let 's pray before we start, Father, just thank you for this morning, Lord. Uh, you have a word for us, and I just pray that you you speak it uh, you speak it clearly and succinctly, God. Um, you have hard truths that you want to tell us today, uh, Lord, and we just thank you for having the freedom to meet like this uh, on Sunday mornings and, and to enjoy uh, enjoy your word, God. Your your word is to be enjoyed. Um, there's so much uh, there's so much truth and richness in it, Lord. And I pray for Ezra and his family uh, as they travel to and from uh, our church plant at uh, Ridgeline Community Church, and I uh, just pray uh, that they can have an encouraging and uh, Blessing of a presence uh, on Gibson uh, and his family and in that church, Lord. And I just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So today's scripture is—it's a doozy. It literally is. Um, I told a friend in my in the church a couple of weeks ago the scripture I was preaching, and he said, "Wow, that's a doozy." So, and I, I think Ezra strategically just kind of like dumped this scripture on me. So, thank you, Ezra, if you, if you listen to this sermon this coming week. Uh, my wife and I, we don't watch much TV, uh, and our, actually our cable's going out at the end of the month, but you don't have to watch a lot of TV to kind of know what's going on out there, and I don't know if you've heard of Jimmy Kimmel's uh, Mean Tweets segment. Are you guys familiar with Jimmy Kimmel's Mean Tweets? So basically, Jimmy Kimmel, he brings on celebrities. And he puts them on camera and they read like mean tweets from just random people. And really, the tweets are just ignorant and vulgar and just really ridiculous. The comedy is supposed to be in the tweets, uh, but the comedy is also supposed to be in uh, the celebrities' reactions uh, to the tweets. And I just got to thinking to myself, this is how I think. (laughs) You know, what would it look like if we like mean tweeted God, right? Because I think we do that. Um, many people do that. Maybe once in our lives, we mean tweeted God. We had just bad things to say about God. So I want to go through some, these are actual quotes of people. They're not real tweets, uh, but they are actual quotes I found and I turned them into tweets. And I just want us to imagine like God's reaction uh, to these these, uh, mean tweets. So John, run through that first slide there. Stephen Fry he says it's perfectly apparent that he is monstrous, utterly monstrous, and deserves no respect whatsoever. Richard Dawkins says in the next slide the God of the Old Testament is arguably the most unpleasant character in all fiction, jealous and proud of it, a petty, unjust, unforgiving control freak, a vindictive, bloodthirsty, ethnic cleanser, a misogynistic, homophobic, racist, infanticidal, genocidal felicital, (laughs) pestilential, megalomaniacal, sadomasochistic. Did I get that right? Sadomasochistic, capriciously malevolent bully. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And this guy, Joseph, I saw on Facebook. Um, He says on the next slide, on the day I die, should he actually show his coward face? I plan to break his teeth out. Yeah. Mean tweets about God. Guys, I imagine God just being like, tell me what you really think. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, it's just ridiculous. You know, those mean tweets, though, it's, they're more than just words. They're more than just words. And today we're going to learn about our, our words in response to God. Okay? And in particular the Holy Spirit. So, you know, if you think about it, the whole Bible, you know, if you pay attention and you read through the Bible, the whole Bible is about responses to God. You know, responses for God in faith and obedience or responses against God in unfaithfulness and disobedience, right? So today's scripture, it revolves around words, but it really isn't about words. Today's scripture is about our hearts, okay? And so, so far in Matthew... The Pharisees—they've established a pretty healthy track record of rejecting Jesus and rejecting his ministry. Now today, Jesus again—he reveals himself. He there's a healing, which is ground zero, Uh, and whenever he heals somebody, it's showing his authority. But his healings always invoke a response from the people. Okay. So, and the Pharisees, uh, again, he reveals himself, and the Pharisees, uh, they go down a road that nobody should want to go down or try to go down, uh, and Jesus, he takes us down a rabbit trail of truth, hard truths, um, and our response to him, and, the, and it's about the relationship between uh, our words uh, and our hearts, Okay. So we're going to go through the scripture kind of verse by verse. It's Matthew chapter 12, verses 22 through 37. So a decent sized chunk. Uh, We're going to go through it verse by verse. Uh, Follow along, pay attention. Jesus is just saying a ton of things. Um, Jesus is just like a masterful orator, like the greatest preacher, speaker of all time. And when he just lays out his teachings, um, it's purposeful. You know, at first read, it would be easy to read the scripture and be like, man, like this is going in all kinds of different directions. Uh, But Jesus is very purposeful and he lays out his teaching uh, very structured. And we're going to try and go through this together uh, verse by verse. So the scripture starts at verse 22. Then a demon oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him and he healed him. So that the man spoke and saw. So, this poor guy, this guy's got nothing going for him. He can't see, he can't talk, and if that's not enough, he's oppressed by a demon. And I love the word usage, oppressed. Like, sometimes it's possessed. The word usage here is oppressed. This guy is just utterly oppressed by this demon. And Jesus just comes up, he's like, and just heals him, right? He shows his authority, right? And he heals the guy completely, restores his sight, restores his speech, and move, removes the demon uh, from his, his body. And in this, he reveals himself. And once again, he draws a response from the people. So verse 23, these are the responses. And all the people were amazed and said, can this be the son of David? David. So in his healing ministry, Jesus, he's fulfilling Old Testament prophecies. You know, the people, they recognize the work as being of the prophecies, right? So this is a proper response by the people. This is a proper response. They're asking a good and right question. Can this be the Messiah, the one who would come from the line of David? Okay? And then now we see the Pharisees' response, But, it says, when the Pharisees heard it, they said, it is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. The Pharisees have a different response. This could be considered like a mean tweet back then, okay? This is just ridiculous. This is like a wrong response. This is a wrong response. And their conclusion is basically that Jesus is in cahoots with Satan. He's working with Satan to do these things. So now I want you guys to hang on to these responses, okay? We're going to go back to them later. Hang your hat on these responses, and we're just going to continue to roll through uh, the Scripture. I don't know about you guys, but my reaction, if I were Jesus, after doing this to this man, I'd be like, are you serious, man? I just healed this guy. I just gave him back his sight. I gave his speech back, and I cast out a demon. Like, are you serious, like, it's like a triple whammy, pretty much. You know? So, but he doesn't react that way. Jesus is calm, he's cool, he's collected, right? He's wise as a serpent, right? He's innocent as a dove in his response. So what's his response? He's always teaching, right? He doesn't react the way I would react. Jesus is a teacher, he's a preacher, and he's, he's teaching people about himself, So he says, knowing their thoughts, so not only heal sight, speech, cast out a demon, now he's reading minds, okay, if that's, you know, if that is to indicate any more his authority and who he is, knowing their thoughts, he said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So notice how Jesus reveals that Satan has a kingdom, right? That's scary. Satan has a kingdom just like God has a kingdom. It's like these two opposing forces in the world. You see it out there in the world right now, the the strife, the conflict, you know. There's these two opposing forces. He says Satan has a kingdom, okay, and they're at war with each other. Let's think about it. What's God's kingdom about? You know, as you read through Scripture, you know, what's God's kingdom about? It's about about restoration, right? It's about building up. It's about regeneration, right? It's about love, hope, right? What about Satan's kingdom? Satan's kingdom is, is about what? Destruction, right? Degeneration, tearing down, decay, right? It's about death, hate, right? So, Jesus, if he's healing and casting out a demon by the power of Satan, then Satan's kingdom will be against itself, right? It will be in ruins. It's really clear. Jesus is so logical, right? So the Pharisees just aren't making any sense. If Jesus is removing evil, how can he be evil? If he's removing evil, how can he be evil? So the only alternative is that he is doing it by the Spirit of God. And there is no other alternative, right? There's no power or way in between Satan's kingdom and God's kingdom that it could be done. There's only two kingdoms in the world, God's kingdom and Satan's kingdom, So the only alternative is that this is God's kingdom coming upon you. And what does he mean by that when he says the kingdom of God has come upon you? He says, but if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. What does he mean by that? He tells us in the next verse, and he gives us an illustration. I love when Jesus gives illustrations. I don't have to give one. He says, how can someone enter a strong man's house And plunder his goods, unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. Jesus is basically saying, I'm like a thief, and I come into Satan's house and I tie him up, (laughs) and I plunder his house. That's what Jesus is saying, right? I plunder his kingdom. And notice how he says, he says he's strong. Going into a strong man's house, he says Satan is strong. He is strong. Satan is not a force to be reckoned with, right? But Jesus is stronger. He is more powerful. He has dominion over Satan, right? So Jesus basically looks at every life dominated by Satan and says, I am plundering the kingdom of Satan one life at a time. It's like he's playing whack-a-mole on Satan. He's like waiting for Satan to come up, right? He's waiting for Satan. Boom. He sees Satan. Boom. He's just plundering his kingdom one life at a time as people receive Jesus. So with this distinction made uh, between him and Satan, Jesus draws a line in the sand. Hard truth number one. He draws a line in the sand. He says, whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. Guys, you never really hear like unbelievers say, I'm against Jesus. You never really hear them say, I hate Jesus. What do you hear? I used to say this. I'm cool with Jesus, but he's just not for me. You know, they take the neutral route, right? I don't really believe in Jesus, but you can believe in him. It's all good. Like he's cool. I get it, but you know, it's just not for me, right? I'm not opposed to him, but I don't need him. It's this like awkward neutrality that people take. They never go that far and say, I hate Jesus or I'm against Jesus. What's Jesus saying? Jesus says it's just the same. There is no gray area. There's no middle ground. There's no neutrality. There's two kingdoms in the world. If you are not with me, then you are with Satan. (laughs) There is no middle ground. Okay? So after drawing this line in the sand, he addresses the Pharisees' words. It's the moment we've been waiting for. He addresses the Pharisees' words directly. And the scripture says, Therefore I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven, people. But the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven, and whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. When I first started studying this scripture, this is how I think forgive me. But regrettably and admittedly, I partook in like mom jokes when I was a kid, <laughs> or like dad jokes. And you get like you get in this like quarrel with somebody, and you're like, no, 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 you didn't just go there. Make fun of me all you want. Don't be making fun of my mom, <laughs> right? Don't be making fun of my dad. That's what Jesus is doing here. He's like, you didn't just go there. Blaspheme me all you want. Don't be blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Do not go there. Why? Why should we not go there, right? Why is there forgiveness in speaking against God the Son, but no forgiveness in speaking against God the Holy Spirit? Like, what's the big deal? I'm not going to teach this. I'm going to let somebody else teach this. John Piper, on, uh, on the next slide, John Piper gives us a, a good quote here that I think just um, lays it out pretty well. Uh, you could preach like five sermons on this, these couple of verses, Uh, They're they're so deep and, you know, a lot of things going back and forth, like, on on what it means. Uh, But this, I think this is good, okay? John Piper, he says, The Father has planned redemption. The Son has accomplished redemption. This wonderful redemption is outside ourselves and available to us if we repent of our sin and turn to Christ in faith. But it is the unique and special role of the Holy Spirit to apply the Father's plan and the Son's accomplishment of it to our hearts. It is the Spirit's work to open our eyes, to grant repentance, and to make us beneficiaries of all that the Father has planned and all that Christ has done for us. If we blaspheme and reject the Father and the Son, there is still hope. There's still hope. For the Spirit may yet work within us to humble us and bring us to repentance. But if behind the Father and the Son we see and taste the power of the Holy Spirit and reject His work as no more precious than the work of Satan, we shut ourselves off from the only one who could ever bring us to repentance. And so we shut ourselves off from forgiveness. I think that lays it out pretty well. No Holy Spirit, no repentance, no forgiveness. So far in so, so, so Matthew, the people and the Pharisees have been seeing and tasting the power of the Holy Spirit, right? We've seen this throughout Matthew and the other Gospels, you know, and we've seen their responses. For example, going back to Matthew chapter 9, verses 33 and 34, it should be on the screen. Jesus healed a mute man and removed a demon from him, and look at the responses, okay? Look at the responses. The crowds, they marveled. They marveled, saying, Never was anything like this seen in Israel. Right? The Pharisees, what they say? He cast out demons by the prince of demons. So this isn't even... Today's scripture is not even the first time that they've said something like this. They've already said something like this before. Like, what does that mean? It means in the Pharisees, there's been like an escalating progression of rejection by them. They've been building a track record of rejecting Jesus. So Jesus, now he gets to the heart of the matter. Knowing all this now in the Scripture, now he gets to the heart of the matter, okay? Jesus says, starting in verse 33, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, I did not give that any justice. (laughs) There's an exclamation point after it. You brood of vipers. Was that good? I can do it again if you want. How can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you on the day of judgment people will give account for every careless word they speak for by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned again here Jesus he makes a distinction right between God's kingdom and Satan's kingdom and he's saying our words reveal which one we are with which kingdom that we're with that's scary man our words reveal which side of the line that we're on right We're either gathering to him like he said or we're scattering. Jesus drew a line back then in the scripture. Think about, like, our language. You know, a person's language. You know, you speak German. Where are you from? Germany. You speak Japanese. Where are you from? Yeah. You speak Swedish. Where are you from? (laughs) Good. Thank you. (laughs) Trying to, you know, get some participation here. So guys, let's let's go back to ground zero. Let's go back to the responses in today's scripture. Verses twenty Whoa. Verses twenty three and twenty four, excuse me. Their words reveal the condition of their hearts. The people were amazed. The people were amazed, saying, Can this be the son of David? The Pharisee said, It is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. So the people's words, what, what's that revealing about their hearts? Right? It reveals that their hearts are spongy. Right? They recognize the prophecies, the fulfillment going on right in front of them, the healing. Their hearts are spongy. They're ripe for belief. Right? They're getting ready to go on Jesus' side of the line in the sand. They're scattering, getting ready to scatter to Jesus, right? They're getting ready to set themselves up for the kingdom of God, right? And what's the Pharisees' words reveal? It reveals that their hearts are made of stone and they're hardened in unbelief, right? They're scattering away from Jesus. They're going on the other side of the line, that Jesus drew, right? The Pharisees, by their language, the things they're saying, just doesn't make any sense. They're revealing that their allegiance is to Satan's country, right? So what is it like? what does this all this mean for us? It means blasphemy against the Spirit. It's more than just a sentence of words. You know, it's more than just you know, a voice, you know, sounds coming out of our voice box, right? It's vibrations, it's projections of our heart. You know, it, it's, it helps us to see what's going on in our heart. It's a settled disposition of a heart over time that continuously rejects the testimony of the Holy Spirit regarding Jesus. The harder your heart becomes to the Spirit, the further away we get from repentance and faith, right? And it's not God giving up on you. Don't get me wrong, it's not God giving up on you. It's us. It's us completely closing ourselves off from repentance and faith by denying the Holy Spirit. Those mean tweets earlier in this message, those are more than just words. There's something going on in their hearts. It's just coming out. Those words are just a projection of what's in their hearts. Right? So the people in those mean tweets, yeah, they're verbally attacking God and not the Holy Spirit, but who's to say they're not on the brink of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? Right? The Pharisees, they've seemed to reach that point. And we can too. We can get to that point. That's what Jesus is telling us here. It's not just the Pharisees. We can be the Pharisees. Or we can be the people. Right? Right? Some of us in here might be seeing and tasting the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives, but you're rejecting it. You're rejecting the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life. We need to examine our hearts. And one of the ways to do that, just listen to yourself speak. What are you saying? Right? I was recently on Facebook, right? Yeah, we're on, like, social media kick today, Twitter and Facebook. I was on Facebook, and I was going back to, like, through my private messenger uh, thing, thingy. And I got on Facebook in, like, 2007. So they keep, like, all of your messages in your private messenger from where you start. So I go back to 2007, and this is before I had a relationship with Jesus. I was not a Christian at that time. I became a Christian in the winter of, like, 2008, 2009, So I go back to like 2007, and I'm reading through my my private messages. I'm like, man, it was so clear whose kingdom I was a part of at that time. And then I I go to 2008, and I go to 2009, and I I don't read everything. There's so much, but I go to nine and ten and eleven, and you see, you notice a change in my tone, words I use. You should do it sometime. You know, go on your Facebook if you have Facebook, go all the way back, maybe to the time before you were a Christian, look at your words. I'm willing to bet that you're going to see a difference in how you speak. Okay? So when we share Christ with someone, pay attention to their response. How are they responding? You know, do they seem open to it? Are they listening? Are they like the people? Are they marveling at what you're saying about Jesus and what he's done in your life? Or are they just like, are they just closing themselves right off and they're not even listening? Right? Pay attention to their response. What are you saying about God? What are you saying about Jesus? What are you saying about the Holy Spirit? You know, it's one thing to reject God, like Jesus says, and it's another to reject Jesus, but there's this progression that goes on, right? And eventually you may get to the point where you're just flat out rejecting the Holy Spirit and its power in your life. Some of you in here right now might have a track record of rejecting the Holy Spirit's pursuit of you. Don't say, I'll wait until my deathbed. Keith was kind enough several sermons ago to share with us that he was that guy. He was like, nah, I'm just gonna wait until, like, you know, I'm 90 or something, I'm on my deathbed. Don't do that because you don't know what the condition of your heart is gonna be when you're 90. If you get to 90, you might die tomorrow. You don't know what the condition of your heart is gonna be when you're 90. By then, your heart might be hardened from rejecting over the years. So by the time you're 90 and you're on your deathbed, you may not even have that chance. Don't think you're gonna have the chance. When you're on your deathbed, your heart might be hardened to the point of no repentance and no faith. And you're out of luck. And you're out of luck. If you haven't received Jesus by faith, but you're here today, I don't think it's a coincidence. Nobody just goes to church for the fun of it. Am I right? Unless you come for the Starbucks coffee and the Dunkin' Donuts. Nobody just comes to church for the fun of it. You're here because you're seeking. Something is leading you here. If you haven't received Jesus, do it now. <laughs> right now. Don't wait. Do it right now. In fact, after this message, after this music, I'm going to be in the office right down this hall If you want to receive Jesus, I'm going to be in there and I'm going to pray for you and we're going to pray the prayer. It's not a magical prayer. But I'm going to walk with you and I'm going to lead you through it and there's going to be follow-up. This is serious business. And I'm encouraging, if you haven't received Jesus yet, do it now. Okay? Because this is what God wants to do for you. He said through his prophet Ezekiel, And it just sums it up really, really well. In chapter 36, verse 26, God's prophet Ezekiel said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And God does this by his son Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we just humbly come before you, Lord. God, we, we, you have hard truths in your word, but we don't avoid them. This is just your word. We are simply just following your leading. We are preaching your word. Your word is dictating to us what you want us to hear. No matter how hard the truth is, God, God, I pray that we just continue to be faithful with your word, Lord. I pray that we can just be obedient to your word. God, I pray if we haven't received Jesus in here by faith, let it be so. God, we've prayed for every seat in this sanctuary. God, I just pray that we just come forward humbly and we receive you. God, and you just teach us to learn to love you and to walk with you in a spirit of love, a spirit of repentance, a spirit of faith, and a spirit of hope. God, and not in the spirit of fear, Lord. Lord, when we leave here today, I pray that we examine ourselves, God. We examine our words. God, the the words coming out of our mouth are going to reveal what country we're from. It's as simple as that. They're like a barometer for our heart. God, I thank you for these hard truths, Lord, and that we can apply them to our lives, Lord. And I just pray that you just be with us uh, in this process of walking with you, God, and I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Band, take it.